0: Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed
1: and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale.
2: Laura Demencic. Uh Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
2: All righty. So, uh, we're a family show. We like to get origin stories where did you come up, and what brought and brings you to Erie?
1: Well, I'm originally from Pittsburgh. Uh, that's that's where I was uh, born and raised, um, hometown. And uh, you know, I went to uh, I went to community college there, as well as Carnegie Mellon University for my um, bachelor's in visual arts and fine arts. And I'd worked in a lot of the nonprofits in town, um, focusing on visual arts. And had been uh, the director of the Pittsburgh Center for the Arts uh, for about eleven years, Wow. Um, and having done, you know, a, a great deal of curating and working with artists, educational programs, um, as well as uh, administration too.
2: And then you—you, uh, you, I mean, you went from Pittsburgh, and and this opening uh, presented itself, and you applied. Sounds like yeah,
1: yeah. So I had um, spent some time, you know, working as an independent contractor, curator, and, and grant writer while I was getting my MFA, um, and then this position opened up uh, shortly after I uh, graduated. That and I, it just seemed like really great timing and uh, just just a you know place with a ton of potential.
2: Yeah, when you when you walked in, uh, what were what was your kind of impressions of the collection of the space what were you thinking
1: yeah I mean the space is beautiful um you know I I, I love how each of the buildings you know it kind of has its own character because you know you have some you know the customs house which is you know couple hundred years old, yeah. uh, but then you also have some of the older, you know, brick buildings as well. Um, but then, you know, the expansion, uh, the most recent one being in 2010, that it's, you know, a really kind of large grand space.
2: So, uh, and, and again, one of one of the concerns that uh, we saw in, in recent past is that there was a pretty significant mortgage on that new expansion. Can you give us kind of a little Uh, a snapshot of where the the art museum uh, as a corporation is financially?
1: Right, we're in a pretty good place financially and part of that um, is certainly due to uh, a number of of, uh, good things that had happened. Um, Part of it was through the sale of some buildings uh, to the EDDC, you know, as you can see there's a lot of um, redevelopment that's happening there. Um, so that was, uh, certainly a part of it. Um, we also had some very significant gifts from Erie Insurance, um, and other, you know, donors, but, um, Erie Insurance has been a major, you know, uh, benefactor of the museum for quite some time and has really invested in, in the community and, in, general, of course.
2: When you look across the, the, co- the country, and again, you read the trades or go to your conferences and so on. It is, is Erie and Erie's art museum, like it's, it, you know, that's the standard, uh, the the standard gallery for the community. Is this something that you would see in towns our size or are we playing (laughs) up, up or down? What do you, what do you, what's Uh, your take on that?
1: You are really, uh, I guess, hitting above your weight. Yeah, no, it's, Erie is, it's really unusual for this size. Um, and just not only for the museum, and the amount of space at the museum and the collection that it has but also just the number of cultural organizations um that is uh something that i was very surprised at and uh you know there's some really wonderful little gems and you know some of the smaller arts organizations as well that have been cropping up too which is really exciting to see
2: I hope that you've you've found this place to be a a welcoming place in your first year here. Again, we're really depending on the smart people like you to kind of shepherd the way into this new uh, century of uh, you know because because Erie's in a is in a transitional uh, place right now.
1: Yeah, no, definitely, and you know, I it has been incredibly welcoming community, very very friendly and. Very open, and and I think you know there's this earnestness of just wanting to have, um, you know, really appreciating the value of these cultural institutions, which is wonderful.
2: So let's describe uh, what what you what you find at the Erie Art Museum. There's the permanent collection, and then of course there's um, there's showings and things. If if I like had not a clue about uh, the Erie Art Museum, how would you describe it to me?
1: I would describe the Erie Art Museum as a regional uh, museum that has a wide variety of, of temporary exhibitions that are on display, as well as a permanent, you know, significant permanent collection, not only of regional artists, but of national, international artists of the um, 19th and 20th century. Um, right now, uh, we have a collections highlight show that's been up for some time, but it's, there's about um, 55 pieces from the collection that we have. And, you know, you have pieces in there by um, Moreau and Paul Klee and Picasso, you know, some prints, uh, um, Alfred Stieglitz, you know, you have just a ton of really impressive work. Um, but what's wonderful too is that we also, and of course, Joseph Lapkin, you know, being a, a, a really important local artist, Um, or from the area, and then we have these really wonderful uh, temporary exhibitions, including um, Beatrice Le Breton's kind of retrospective. Uh, We are just today opening Made by the Lake, which is focusing on regional uh, woodworking artists. So there's a collection of about eight different artists that are in that exhibition. And so there's work that's ranges from uh, furniture pieces to more conceptual kind of sculptural works. Um, You know, we also have a video uh, kind of multimedia exhibition in uh, John Eric Steiner's um, Future Memories exhibition, as well as David King, who is from uh, the Cleveland area, has a wonderful, set of, of, uh, or wonderful series of works that are paintings based off of, um, old family movie reels. Um, huh. yeah. So he had kind of mixes, you know, mixes and matches, um, real people and, you know, people from his memories as well as, um, uh, you know, others so that, you know, kind of these, uh, fabricated sort of histories and just how fragile memory is in particular um so it's a really nice range of of works and of course coming up in april we'll have the spring show and we have our call out right now for artists um in the the 250 mile radius of erie to submit and it's you know artists um, of of any age of any um you know, it doesn't matter the level of uh, schooling or, or training of any kind, but um, that's a really wonderful way to participate, too.
2: So by having this space and having this diversity of space, you you can kind of really go deep, I, may, I would imagine, uh, where you could yeah. have your permanent – some of your parts of your permanent collection up and have these rotating temporary collections. Um, what Like what is this where, – where is like the arts – community at right now like what's the hot thing um I'll, because you know we we read in the trades or we read in the paper such and such thing went for 70 million dollars and it, you know i know we're not living you're not living in that level but uh, it always kind of confuses me of like what what is hot You know, what is expensive these days,
1: right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's like, you know, the 1% or half percent of the overall, I mean, there's such a large art world. Sure. Um, And that's obviously speaking to a very specific kind of crowd. Um, But what I find interesting is the work that you see every day in your, in your community, in your region. And, um, That's, I think, what uh, attracts me to these places um, because there is so much creativity that's happening and it's just woven into part of, um, you know, the daily life, you know, whether it's, you know, these really beautiful utilitarian objects or, you know, really fine pieces of art that are, um, you know, that have craft in them as well. But, you know, as far as the hot thing that's on right now. I mean, you could ask, you know, 10 different people and get 20 different answers. You know, I, I personally think if not more, (laughs) I think that having, um, for me, what I find to be always enduring is just having really authentic, um, storytelling and it, you know, it's really authentic expression. And that's what I find in the shows that we have up right now and just, um, in the works that we've, I've seen throughout you know the year that I've been here it's it's really an impressive group of of artists um you know whether it's the uh you know NPAA exhibition that we just had or the spring show from last year uh it's it's been a really interesting collection of of different works and what I love is that you can kind of see them these works by these artists that are literally in your your town but that are also seen in rough you know kind of in perspective with these what are considered masters of you know Calder or Picasso or damier you know it's you, you get to see sort of like the 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 history and some of the connections that start to, that start to happen uh, so I I really love that um so I, I'm I'm very interested in in how, you know, all all art is is regional in a way. Yeah. You know, you it comes from your environment is so is such an important influence on your work.
2: You know, uh, there's a lot of conversation about diversity and in, and in, uh, underrepresented voices. What are you seeing in the local art world w- when it comes to that?
1: Yeah, I mean that is really important. And what um, you know I've seen is that you know, there's, there's just such a a breadth of talent. Um, I think that I, you know, I know there's been some shows um, specifically on, um, female artists or female identifying artists. I've seen some really wonderful pieces, um, that are focused much more on some of the new Americans Mm -hmm. that are a part of, that, uh, are important part and big part of the community. Um, so I, there's, I, 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 think that there's a lot of, um, Growing awareness about how important that is to be, um, you know, much kind of have like a longer and wider view of of who we are as as a as a society. So I, I see that happening in a, in a, in some ways. I, you know, it always takes more time than you want it to but right. um i think that you know there's some there's some really good things that are happening certainly through things like um some of the things that Erie arts and culture is doing and i think through um what the uh the, you know ecats you know with with the arts and, and technology center that there's some really great things that are happening
2: yeah it's kind of interesting how the the whole the whole community becomes uh, uh... You know, a place where you can uh, display art uh, when, with the public yeah. art and so on. I'm interested in seeing in what your take is on the influence of digital art. Again, one of these uh, what what are they the the non fungible tokens? FFT. Oh, I am <laughs> clueless on that, uh, Laura. Um,
1: yeah, well, I I can't say that I can give you a great deal of insight <laughs> myself. Um, you know, I you know, I've I've seen some artists uh you know again kind of that one percenters type of thing not that there aren't others that are playing around with that um that are that are kind of uh exploring that um i i'm an artist myself so i um my work tends to be very much about materiality and and um textures and much more kind of um uh tactile kind of quality to it and Mm -hmm. So, uh, but I also love uh video and film work too, and mm-hmm. multimedia work. so you know, I think there's some really uh great things that are that are happening that I think you can start to see some um, kind of blending of of uh, what we have what I think has been typically considered traditional art forms um and that there's much more of a blending of different disciplines now um. And that artists are working in so many different mediums and styles. That um, and and certainly through collaboration too. So, you know, I I, I don't even know where to begin. In some <laughs> senses, with NFTs. I don't yeah. know that that's. that's but I mean, not is possible. is
2: digital in general? Uh, every, every once in a while, you you will see, hey, this was this is pixels or this is i mean like using pixels yeah. as as the medium you know i mean
1: yeah no and i you know like right now um one of the things i really wanted to do is bring um some media into the museum in ways that um might not have been done as much in the past and that's where um the future memories show comes in because there's kind of this blending of um, um, old and new technology and so kind of thinking about the objects of technology throughout the years mm-hmm. as well, so you know it's it there's certainly references religious references or our um, historical references. Uh, to some of that work um, that kind of connects it in, but it also has this sort of questioning of like, how do you present video or media work within a gallery space when there are certain expectations set up? So just trying to be really thoughtful about those sorts of things. Um, And, you know, again, some of the really good things that have come out of, you know, Um, the past, you know, couple of years is that there has been this um, effort to have the exhibitions in a virtual form, too, you know, so there's, I don't think, I don't, I I see it as really kind of complementing and really being able to expand our our understanding of what visual art is, Um, whether it's, you know, a a static object that is not moving or whether they're moving objects or moving images and sound, Um, you know, that all really uh, impacts us in so many different ways.
2: We're talking to Laura Domenic. She is the uh, executive director of the Erie Art Museum. And uh, yeah, I, I'm glad that you mentioned like m- uh, machinery or mechanical. You know, Erie has this great advanced manufacturing heritage. And you look at some of the design of, of, of let's say, a, a Griswold uh um uh cast iron skillet or and you're like looking at that this is amazing the curves and and the the intricacies and things that come come out of our our heritage and and just wondering if if that's kind of the the kinds of things when when people are trying to broaden their idea of design and art uh, does that come to play
1: yeah yeah you know i um I, I was actually teaching, I had the good fortune to teach a, a class at um, Gannon University this past, last semester, and it was an introduction to art class, but it was really you know looking at how uh, art and design and architecture really influences how we move about the world and how we see things and how we um you know design different objects that are for daily use you know that that influences us so much even fonts you know as yeah. far as styles like i i think there's so much that um I- embedded in in the history of all of that that is uh, really significant you know that that Um, Yeah, I agree that, you know, there is something about that level of of craftsmanship and and quality of um, work that you see in that kind of industrial, you know, rust belt sort of thing that Mm. certainly, you know, Erie and Pittsburgh kind of share as well as, you know, Cleveland, Buffalo, but it's really uh, a very um, strong element of our environment and of our history too. So, yeah i think that there is very much a flavor of that in the artists visual artists of all different disciplines um in in, that you see here
2: Uh, let's talk about the erie art museum organizationally and and the buildings for a while there it 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 was becoming a a more and more event center Uh, mind you this is pre-pandemic do you anticipate once we get out of the the thick of things here Um, You know, uh, you know, a a performance space for film or for music or so on. You know.
1: Yeah. Well, right now we do have uh, a music series, a Highmark Art After Dark that we have on the first Thursday of every month. um, So that you know, we are still doing um, those kinds of performances, which is great. And you know, as we're able to do some events, you know, artist talks and some kind of. you know smaller you know workshops here and there um pretty safely but you know as as we move forward yeah i would love to to collaborate more with other cultural institutions and you know have have a film play or have some you know uh different you know dance groups or theater actually we're looking we're talking with one group um about having some sort of a a dinner theater sort of um experience in april we um, that we're, we're really excited about too
2: That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. So how does somebody kind of connect with the art museum? Uh, Is there such a thing as, uh, you know, becoming a yearly patron or uh, membership? Go ahead.
1: Definitely. Yeah. So certainly you can always just stop by from in our, during our open hours, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and um, we have different level memberships, uh, ADMISSION TO THE MUSEUM uh, WITHOUT A MEMBERSHIP IS TEN DOLLARS, uh, BUT WE ALSO HAVE DISCOUNTS FOR SENIORS AND and STUDENTS AND VETERANS, um, YOU KNOW, A WIDE RANGE OF, of FOLKS, um, AND 16-YEAR-OLD AND UNDER uh, GET IN FOR FREE. Wow. SO IT CAN BE A REALLY GREAT KIND OF VERY FAMILY-FRIENDLY um, SPACE IN THAT WAY. AND WE ALSO HAVE KIND OF one second SECOND SUNDAY, SECOND SUNDAYS OF THE MONTH WE HAVE ACTIVITIES for. Uh, families, and that's a pay-as-you-wish uh, day and every month that we have. So there's there's several different ways to kind of get engaged. You, we can also, um, you can also visit the website erieartmuseum.org and there you can also get into, um, you can purchase a membership online. There's sustaining memberships all the way to, um, you know, senior memberships and individual student memberships, um, as, as well as, uh, you know, if you wanted to have a recurring thing, too, so you can just, you know, put it on your credit card and not have to think about it. So there's a wide range of, of ways to get involved.
2: looks like uh, you also have a, a range of classes and workshops, including writing and framing. Uh, um, I, I bet you there's a lot of demand for that stuff, though.
1: Yeah, well, actually, we're just kind of getting that started back up okay. because so much had to really, you know, slow down uh, like everyone else. And, and you know, as we've been building the staff over the past year, um, we're just starting to get out and being able to do those things. So, you know, yeah, I'm thrilled that we have a framing shop that's actually full right now. We're having a waiting list that... Um, we're, we're taking, you know, individuals that are um, looking that, to be involved in the future, but we also have kind of a poetry uh, writing workshop that will be happening in February uh, on Wednesday evenings um, that we still have spaces for. And, you know, there's uh, a jewelry making class that is um, in in collaboration with um, a couple of jewelers that are in town, and we're looking to do more and more of those kinds of activities. Um, you know, certainly artist led sort of sort of things, and with the wood artists coming up um, with their show opening today, that there will also be uh, a virtual artist talk with them in February, February twelfth. But we will also have some in in person uh, tours too. That we hope to have um, with different artists as well.
2: One more question: uh, At one point, there was food available, or was not there like a cafe? Is that still a thing, or is that on hiatus right now?
1: That has been on hiatus before I had started. Okay, actually. you know, for different um, events or receptions that we have, you know, we obviously you know work with different caterers um, sure. in town. Um, but yeah, that's not on an ongoing basis. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well,
2: I tell you what, it's, it's great to catch up and to kind of find out what is happening with the art museum. And uh, I mean, it really, uh, we, when you say well, we're kind of punching above our weight here uh, that that's kind of due to investments that were made a hundred years ago or more. Right. I mean. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, you know, it, the, there's such a passion for, making sure that the infrastructure of the community is strong and that makes such a big difference. I mean, the fact that you have, you know, foundations and, um, you know, Erie-based companies that are so invested in, in the place um, and just individuals that are truly um, committed to making this, you know, really great place to live, it makes a huge difference.
2: I want to thank you. Laura Domencic, she is the executive director of the Erie Art Museum. Thanks for taking the time today and uh, uh, enlightening us on, on the great work that y'all are doing
1: down there. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you.
2: So it's fun to have a, a look at uh, local filmmaking here in Erie, Pennsylvania. We're glad to have with us via Zoom Michael leo sentai and he is the director of the brand new film attack of the radioactive zombies michael thank you so much for being on the show
0: oh thank you so much for having me this morning
2: all right we're a family show we like to get origin stories share how you came up Uh, are you local to erie your whole life or did you transplant in
0: Um, I'm actually originally from the Jamestown, New York area, but I have spent some time back and forth in Erie. Um, I have several friends in the area, so I'm pretty familiar with the area.
2: And, um, you know, Jamestown obviously has that big uh, entertainment history, you know, with uh, Lucille Ball coming from Jamestown. Any any inspirations that way about, you know, Jamestown's connection to Hollywood?
0: Um, you know, I never really thought a whole lot about it because, you know, growing up there, uh, being aware of Lucille Ball and, and um, folks like the 10,000 Maniacs, it was just always just part of the um, the atmosphere in, in the town. So, yeah, I never really gave a whole lot of thought to it, but um, I definitely um, am glad to be a part of the entertainment community, for sure.
2: All righty, so, so let, let's talk about the idea of getting interested in filmmaking.
0: So okay, where
2: sure. did that start? come from where did that come from
0: um i I grew up a child of the 80s and i was really into um all the classic horror things of that time period you know nightmare on elm street friday the 13th all all the the main staples and as a as a child i always thought that'd be great to do something like that um and as an as a teenager i I became involved in local theater and in high school and then into college um i did some work down at um, lucille ball little theater um, so yeah, I've made a lot of connections over the years with, with folks and I've been very fortunate to be able to kind of bring them into my own world of filmmaking as an adult now.
2: Did you basically come up being, uh, uh, as a performance person, were you on stage or in front of the camera or did you like the stuff backstage, the, the making of the sausage as it were?
0: Um, I, I enjoyed both aspects of it. I, I, um, primarily, um, was an actor. Um, But I always had my hands in in working with the makeup and props, and so I feel as though the theater gave me a real good um, background and transitioned well into the type of work I do with film.
2: Terrific. Okay, so uh, tell us about what you kind of tinkered on before you went to say, you know what, I'm going to go
0: and direct Attack of the Radioactive Zombies, (laughs) Michael. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Well, with Glenbury Productions, we began in 2011. And we are now, this will be our ninth title. Um, So seventh feature-length film in addition to a documentary as well as a compilation of all of our short films. So this is our ninth title. Um, But everything is in the horror genre. Um, We primarily work in... Um, horror slash comedy so everything's a little uh campy and over the top for sure um i really draw a lot of my inspiration as i said from uh, more of the 80s era of horror
2: and and where do you usually set uh these films at in the jamestown or or the tri-state area here or do you go around uh for different places
0: a lot of filming um, takes place between Buffalo and uh, Jamestown, New York, just because I have a lot of connections, and I um, currently live um, near the Buffalo area. I have for the past seven years. So yeah, primarily between um, Jamestown, New York and, and Buffalo, but we definitely want to expand and um, get into other areas for sure. So, But with this film, there was a strong Erie connection, am I right? Correct, correct. We um had a couple of actors that are actually from the area. The film stars um, David Decola. He's a local actor. He does a lot of um, stage work, and Adele Crotty. She uh, made an appearance in this film, and she also is um, an actress in the area. She was in our last film. Um, she had a more of a main part in Easter Holocaust. So. Yes. That sounds
2: that sounds awful. No, I mean, I mean, just, in a good way, right? Yeah, in a good way. It's like, wow, this. I don't put yeah. those two together. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Michael Leo Sentai is our guest here as we uh, are talking about this new film, Attack of the Radioactive Zombies. All right, so a film's got to start somewhere. How did this one start?
0: Well, um whenever I'm drawing towards the end of working on a film, I always have ideas brewing in the back of my mind for the next project. Um, and I've always loved zombie films and we actually a few years back did a short film called Undead Manor and I just really wanted to expand on the basic concept of that. So the idea of of doing a zombie movie was always in the back of my mind and with our films we we've, we've done you know the the slasher kind of things We have a doll movie, My Deadly Playmate. Um, The last film, Easter Holocaust, was a creature feature. So I just thought, you know, we should get into the zombie thing. And, you know, it seems like it's really uh, a popular genre again in the horror world. So, yeah, we just collectively as a group, we really wanted to get into doing something with zombies.
2: All right. So uh, do you basically usually write the screenplays or uh, do you have a team that does that?
0: No, um we are a small production um company. Um I write, direct, film, edit my my projects. Um and I I do I do um some roles in them, but as the projects have gotten um bigger in scale, more complicated, I tend to do more of a, a cameo type thing. A um, little Arthur
2: Hitchcock kind of make your presence known.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And and also um logistically it's, it's kind of it's difficult to you know, film and, and, and being in front of the camera and tour so many hats as it is, but I, the actor in me, I still like to make a little bit of a, a cameo of some sort, kind of like Stephen King too, I suppose.
2: So how does it, how long does it take you to go from, um, you know, start of production to the, the final edit?
0: Well, obviously with COVID, we got a late start with this, this project. Okay. Um, we were about a year behind, but generally um, these films take, about a year and a half between writing the script and actually um, completing the film and getting it on out there for distribution so about a year and a half turnaround time
2: uh what do they call that principal photography do you kind of follow that kind of standard thing where hey we're gonna shoot you know for two weeks or six weeks or whatever mm-hmm. or are you able because you're because you're flexible to kind of sure. hey let's grab this now and let's develop it that way mm-hmm. how does how does that all work
0: well, everything is is very plotted out uh, for the most part, and um, we don't really do like a two week shoot. What we what we tend to do is it sounds a little a little different, but we do like a six month shoot. Oh wow! We'll work, we'll work on weekends basically because a lot of the folks that that are in my community of actors um, have nine to five jobs, so um, we have to kind of accommodate and work around everyone's schedule. So there's a lot of planning involved for sure. So what we'll do is. Every other weekend, usually over a six-month period, we'll do two scenes a day. So I end up with, like, four scenes a month and kind of um, edit as we go along so that when we get to the very end of things, we're we're pretty pretty well in shape. As with um, Attack of the Radioactive Zombies, all the um, editing is complete, and now we're um, moving on to the final sound and, and music portion of things. So talk, talk about crew on the set. Um OK, uh,
2: yeah. So like, do you, do you have to do the whole thing like the DP and the, the
0: key grip and the best oh, boy
2: you. and all that stuff?
0: Oh, yeah. You know, I, 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 I wish that we had a film crew, you know, a crew. Um, that would be great. Um, no, we, we primarily work as a collaborative team. Everybody wears more than one hat. Um, some of the actors are really great with makeup because they have a theater background. So that's something that they might help with. Um, some folks have a lot of experience, again, with theater, with costuming, so that might be something they help with. So it's a real collaborative effort. That, sure. that That's
2: interesting, uh, yeah. be, be, because um, obviously, the more money you could save that way, the the, mm-hmm. the the more ability you're able to market and and get into your sure. distribution streams. Sure. To, uh, sure. Explain, uh, share with the listeners. Like, what kind of equipment again? They see films being made uh, from their iPhone 13 uh-huh. Pro, um, sure, sure. but and then you see people that are making stuff with red video cameras and uh, Panavision and sure. all the way in between. Sure. How about you guys, sure. Michael?
0: Sure, we're somewhere in the middle. We, we, um, we don't have you know a million dollar camera, we have a, a, a really good um Canon camera, it's a professional grade camera, and then we have all of our lighting and our mics. So we're somewhere in the middle. Um, Do you do the
2: DSLR thing or do you do like an
0: actual video camera? A video camera. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. Um, So, I mean, my, my thought process is, you know, you could have the, the most expensive equipment in the world, but if you don't have a sound story and great actors and direction, then it doesn't really do you a whole lot of good. So my thought is to have good, you know, good solid equipment that gives you a great visual and sound quality at the end. But for me, the real quality comes from, again, the story, the directing, the acting, and overall project when it's completed.
2: And talk about distribution. I would imagine that there is, just like anything else, exactly. There's there are, there are pockets of,
0: of people that are just looking for your next release. Sure. Yeah. Um, so much has changed over the past probably 10 to 15 years with distribution. In, in the beginning, it was kind of difficult. Um, streaming was just kind of um, getting going. But I've noticed over the last few years that with streaming, um, there's a huge market for independent films, especially horror. Definitely.
2: So are there, there, I would imagine there's actually horror streaming channels that you can yes. submit your film to? Okay.
0: Yes, correct. Yep. Wow. Yeah, A lot of our films are available on Amazon Prime. That's a big one. Um, and then various Roku streaming channels. And then some um, DVD releases for our last few films in the, in the works right now.
2: And and then how does the money flow again? Uh, you know, you have to have, you have to have some kind of cash to make this all happen. Yeah. And then how do you get paid back? How do you pay back your investors?
0: Even you know. Sure, um, investors. Huh, that'd be nice to have those. Um, generally, <laughs> it, all, it, it all comes out of my pocket. Um, yeah, yeah, but. It, it all comes in with the uh, the amount um, of streaming that a film actually accrues um, over a certain amount of months, and then you get your royalties that way. So we're definitely not in um, the world of filmmaking to make a huge profit just to kind of recoup some money and and just enjoy creating something that you know we enjoy the process of and that hopefully other people enjoy as well.
2: So basically every time somebody would click on Attack of the Radioactive Zombies on Amazon Prime, you're gonna yeah. get a little little uh spiff. Correct. Oh, Correct. That's super yep. cool. Yeah. All right. We we got about three or four minutes here with Michael Leo Sentai, and I wanna c I want you to take like do an audio trailer for me, uh, uh and explain okay. this plot here, that you know, kind of what what people's okay. whistle here.
0: Okay. So Attack of the radioactive zombies take place <laughs> after the apocalypse. There are only a few known survivors. These survivors have decided to band together in hopes of surviving the attack of the radioactive zombies. Wow. Probably the trailer will be something kind of like that. Something <laughs> that, that kind of kind of kind of campy and fun. Do do we fall in love
2: with the ingenue or no?
0: Um, I think you might. I think you might. Um, yeah, we we were fortunate to have a, a few um, cameos from some folks that have um, been in, in some uh, horror films over the years that that people might recognize. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street Four is is a film that we were able to um, include actress Tuesday Night in. I've um, become friends with her over the years, so she was nice. gracious enough to do a cameo in our little film. And if some people remember, she played Kristen in that film and did the opening song in the, in the movie too. Um, And then Stefan Wolfert, he was actually an actor in um, day of the dead too. He graced us with a cameo as well. So kind of tried to put that little stamp of horror cred on this little project.
2: That's cool. You know, in in previous conversations I've had with uh, folks in in filmmaking here in the tri-state area, we what we've been noticing is a bit more capacity kind of coming up right you know and so <laughs> you are getting these specialists that are yes. you know lighting specialists and sound specialists yep. and yep. editing don't forget cg i mean anybody sure. could do cg uh, at, at, you know on their macbook pro these days right i mean right.
0: right yeah the technology has definitely grown the things that we're able to do now with equipment Growing up, I, I never could have imagined that. You know, I, I had a camcorder when I was a kid, and I used to make my own little movies in the backyard. I, I never would have thought that we would have this quality of, of technology available. It's really great. It, it, it's, really great. It,
2: it, it's it's something. So when can we look for Attack of the Radioactive Zombies on one of the streaming channels?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, we are looking towards a spring release. So hopefully between spring and summer into fall, it'll become more and more available through platforms such as Amazon Prime and um, different Roku streaming channels, um, Vimeo, if anyone's familiar with that, and then um, most likely a DVD release down the road that will most likely end up in different stores. Do so you th- check do your?
2: Is there like a horror film festival thing? Or, I mean, would you bring it to Erie to be at the movie house or one of the other kind of indie oh, film I- places, you know?
0: Sure, I, I would definitely consider that. Um, we have had um, different um, premieres over the years, um, locally and in different film houses. But unfortunately, with COVID, with our last film, we weren't able to do that. We had to do an online streaming. So I would I would love to do that again. So that's definitely not off the table. It just kind of depends where we're at with the pandemic by that point.
2: What's happening with filmmaking in Buffalo? Is it starting to boom too?
0: or? I, I feel like it is. People are starting to venture back into it. Um, yeah. The people that I know and and some of the um, different platforms people connect on, it's people are starting to venture into it more, just taking a lot more precautions. Obviously, sure. And again, you're
2: so. I mean, not that you can go into Canada these days, but right. you know, in a typical time, there's the, all those resources of the yeah, Greater definitely. Toronto Area and the GTA, right. and all the way down to the yeah. Buffalo Rochester area. There's just a, a lot of. I mean, it's a, just a bigger. Yeah. It's just a bigger sure. Uh, sure. Uh, yeah. context there. Well, we, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Michael Leo Sentai, the director, writer, uh, producer of Attack of the Radioactive Zombies, including some eerie actors like Dave DeCola, uh yeah. who I guess was just uh, – just on uh, at all an act
0: so um, he, yeah, you know he's, he's fantastic great guy great guy very talented yes absolutely michael thank you so much for taking the time thank you thank you so much appreciate it you've been listening to the joel natale show Erie, pennsylvania's daily podcast from talk subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at talk